0: i you very ready to talk about the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> I am here for it. Fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises. One each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are continuing our mini series X-23 about Fox's X-Men films. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing so well. I'm glad to hear that. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm doing especially good because we're honored to have a special guest. She is a director, writer, and camerawoman extraordinaire who may be best known to our audience as an uncredited story credit on the 2019 Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne vehicle, The Aeronauts. Please welcome Beth Fletcher! <laughs> woo, woo, woo! Oh my god. Oh my god. That's too real. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you for being here. Sure. How's it going? <laughs>
1: It's very strange.
0: <laughs> what was your previous experience? Are you <laughs> experienced?
1: Yes, I am very experienced. It's been a while, you know, since I've been in the X.
0: <laughs> since you've seen the X. <laughs> Me and Emma spent so much. Thirteen weeks with our Xs. <laughs> okay, tell us about your
1: ex Experience. <clears throat> Well, he's about 6'2". Um, no superpowers. Uh, unless you count eczema. Um, Ex- eczema! eczema. <laughs> That's about it. Alright, so answers.
2: how about your experience with the X-Men films?
1: Well, uh, when I was a small child, I saw all of them at once. Uh, and then when Dark Phoenix...
2: Yeah, that, that what right. it's called,
1: ...came out, I didn't see that one, and then I haven't seen any of them since... So it's been a while, actually. But I like the X Men. Mm. Um, and the X women and the Latinx. Would you be <laughs> Would you be right? is
0: <laughs> destroying the studio as we speak. <laughs>
1: would you be referring to Christ? <laughs> He's by far my favorite Latinx X Men. Uh hard, hard favorite. Number one.
0: Uh, he looks very hard in this movie. He looks like too he's hard. crafted <laughs> out of steel. The aesthetic of this movie is like... All over the place. Very difficult to describe. It's like loose particles and gravel. <laughs> That's um, the aesthetic? Yeah, and everyone looks like they were in concrete.
1: I feel like they only went in on the 80s aesthetic when they were in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just... Un timed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when we were about right. playing Iran in Berlin and then there was like yeah. no real. Well, they play um Sweet Dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for that, that one, one sequence, moment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel very 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've uh, I've been putting off the part of the podcast where I explain <laughs> <laughs> briefly what this movie is. Please do. Um, okay, so today we're talking about X-Men Apocalypse. This is the third film in the decades quadrology.
1: Is that a word?
0: <laughs> That's the title of this series where there's one every decade um, in the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. But they not. don't age that long between them.
2: So Well, there's Well, I mean well, they are
0: it. they are supposed to kind of. It doesn't come off like they do. But yeah. they are supposed to, sure. Uh, so you're going
2: to explain this movie now. I know you've just been freaking
0: stalling. <laughs> what are you? Gonna, wh- what happened
2: in this movie, Wade?
0: Okay, this movie is about a mutant from ancient Egypt named Apocalypse.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that his name?
0: Do they not call him Apocalypse? Mm-mm. His name is N sabanur Yes, and that's what There's the nothing. old dudes chant when they summon him. Mm-hmm. But I think he is also he is called apocalypse. I'm not sure if they say that in this movie. Mm. He comes to modern times. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and he is called apocalypse.
0: I honestly could not tell you what his what he's trying to do. He but it involves uh, like terraforming the earth, sort of. He turns everything mm. into like little tiny <laughs> particles. Mm-hmm. Um also, the X-Men are there. And uh Professor X is in like a rom-com with Moira McTaggart, who has forgotten that they had a fling. Eric is in like the pianist, where everyone is he ever loved is getting murdered, and we're watching him play unbearable grief every scene. And there's also like a new class of young mutants including Cyclops and Jean Grey who are joining the team and like learning to control their powers for the first time. And they have attitude, kind of. Just ah. Scott. Just Scott really. Yeah, yeah, Scott has some attitude. Yeah.
1: I feel like you've said parts of what is in the movie, but you haven't actually said what the movie is about.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what the movie is about. Hmm. The thing to kn- I would say like the scale of this movie is unbelievable how so like it's like the biggest movie i've ever seen like it just looked like they plugged 10 billion computers Mm. and turned them all on at the same time and that's like the last 50 minutes um also we should mention that this movie is two hours and
2: 24 minutes yeah
0: yeah
1: but it feels like a solid three
0: Yeah, Breeze is right by like a five hour mini series. This it's also occasionally funny, mm-hmm. which the Brian Singer movies normally aren't. Okay, okay, so that's sort of the movie. It's directed by Brian Singer. Uh, no. he's back. <laughs> it's written by Simon Kinberg, he's back. Music by John Ottman, he's back. Uh it runs two hours and twenty four minutes. It's the longest film in the entire thirteen film series. Really? Thank God. (laughs) Um, It has a 52 on Metacritic. It had a budget of 178 million, Mm -hmm. which means it would have needed about 356 million to break even. It made 543. Mm -hmm. Hot damn. Uh, It is the fifth highest grossing in the series, the second highest grossing with X Men in the name, and it made 27% less than its predecessor, Days of Future Past. It was released May 27th, 2016. Beth, X-Men Apocalypse, flop or bop?
1: Well, it depends on who you ask. Um...
0: Well, I'm asking you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting with you.
1: Can it be a f-bop?
0: No, it's a binary scale. I'm also struggling with the binary scale, but you're either a flop or a bop. Um,
1: No, I don't know. Um, If I'm watching it from just like an audience member's perspective, which I usually am with these kinds of movies... Then I would say it's a bop. Mm. I don't know. No, I think it's a bop. uh, Because if it were about an hour shorter, it would be a hard bop. Mm. But since it's two and a half, Mm. it might be a flop. Just because the whole first hour is exposition. And then it's like, and like after you get past that, it's like, hell yeah. I don't know. It's compelling.
0: It's very weirdly paced.
1: It is very weirdly paced. So yeah, I don't think that I could place it on a binary system. (laughs) You know, movie ratings are fluid uh wait
0: <laughs> you you're abstaining from,
1: abstaining
0: from... <laughs> our flopper. i've made
1: up my own word well uh, that's first
0: that. okay emmett x-men apocalypse flopper bob
2: holy hell this is a bob this is I've... not only is this a bop this is the best film we have seen so far in the x-men series this is incredible i didn't remember any of it going in. I definitely saw this movie when it came out in theaters. Mm -hmm. Didn't remember a single moment of it. Came in watching it. (laughs) Are you sure you definitely saw it? I definitely (laughs) saw it. I can remember going to the theater and seeing it, and I can remember what else happened to me on that day. I'm curious to We don't have to get into it because it involves people we went to school with, but I don't remember anything else that happened. I don't remember anything that happened in the movie from watching it then. Watching it now with fresh eyes, I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" I don't care that it makes no sense, that parts of it are wildly stupid, that much of it is tonally incoherent. It kicks ass. I was consistently like, "Whoa!" And that's all
0: I—that's all I really can ask for from an X-Men movie. Uh, Wait, flop or bop? Um, definitely a flop for me. I want to get that out front. Now, I want to say that we have the binary scale, but as I've said before, to me, these movies are. Fall somewhere kind of on a three point. Like uh-huh. they're either good or they're fine or they're horrible. Uh huh. Um, and most of them are fine and this one is fine. Okay. So for those, most so why of those. Isn't that your yeah, so why isn't this, yeah, why don't we have a, oh, it's, it a it's bad, two, or three? Bad, <laughs> fine, or good. Just
1: add FABOP to your <laughs> Because bop, uh, It's
0: either a flop or a bop. It either works or it doesn't. Or for me, it didn't work. But I feel like with these fine movies, you've got to look at it and be like, does more of it work or fail mm-hmm. to you? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the other movies, like the original X-Men, like mm-hmm. the Wolverine, like X2. These mm-hmm. are the other movies in like the fine genre to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I
2: recall you putting Deadpool in the fine genre.
0: Yeah, I did say it. Although that's that's one that I can objectively recognize as fine, but to me the experience of watching it was horrible. Okay. okay. Um, and I want to be clear that I don't have like a silver bullet for this movie. Like I'm not here to like poke fun at any one aspect of it or criticize it it's just like like i can't even process what i've seen with my eyes it's i i don't okay okay let me um okay there are a lot of things going on in this movie there are a lot of plot lines what particularly plot lines do we think are handled well
1: i wouldn't mm.
0: I will say I will straight up say yep. none of
2: them. They have left my mind already. All I am left with is the impression that it was awesome.
1: <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> I could not tell you what happened in this movie.
1: Neither of you can summarize what happened in this movie. And it's and, Beth, and it's please very tell upsetting. Us, please tell
0: us what happened. Yeah, in this Tell movie. us what happened An in this movie. I would love to hear it.
1: OG Mutant Baddie comes uh-huh. back to try and reconcile the having um dominance over the human race because okay. they're superior. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. That's what the okay. movie's about.
2: Okay. And,
1: and then, then and, and then, then, then fights ensue. <laughs> okay. Hilarity ensues. A like, lots of hilarity. I mean, but that's what it's about. And and like while that is the main what is this movie, you then have the X Men coming in to try and stop that from happening.
2: Mm. It feels kind of like it's all of the things that Brian Singer wanted to put in all of the movies before this movie. And didn't get a chance to. Let's just let's just do it now. Like it's great. Let's just do it now. And we're going to kind of tie it all together with this plot about uh, Apocalypse. And we're going to put a lot of that in the first like 20 minutes. And a lot of that in the last 30 minutes. And then the entire two hours in the middle are all going to be about character development of the X-Men. And like seeing their backstories. Which is like pretty cool. Like this movie goes so many different places. It, like, does... It's, like, tonally and physically. It does so many different... Like, it goes so many different places. We're in Poland with uh, Magneto's tragic backstory. As if Magneto needed more tragic backstory. They're like, okay, well, why not... We just, like, give him a wife and daughter to be killed off. Mm-hmm. Um, cool.
0: Yeah, they really do him dirty in this
2: movie. They really... They, they really do just, him dirty like, in every everything. Movie. That's <laughs> yeah. very true. Yeah. We get more Kurt Wagner, which... I. I love. He's like so cool. He's like so cool in this movie. I don't know if he really has like any character motivation per se. Okay. It doesn't matter. He's so cool in this.
1: I do have thoughts on you saying it's everything he wanted to do in the other movies. Yeah. I don't feel like there's anything original X Men wise in this movie. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like this came out of the X Men universe. It felt like it. Brian Singer was like, I like this movie, and I like that movie, and I like this movie, and I'm going to mm-hmm. make one movie, and it's all going to be X-Men. Okay. You know, it, it like yeah. felt like a Frankenstein's monster of different well-made movies and not like an X-Men coherent.
2: That's fair. I also think it's interesting to think about this movie in the context of the MCU, like coming in the same year as uh, uh, Captain America Civil War, but really more as a response to Avengers Age of Ultron. Which really, like as you say, just like escalates to the max. And this movie is a movie that's like, okay, we see you,
0: we see you, MCU, and we raise you ten billion. Yeah, I think that point really helped to clarify the mess of this movie. Yeah, because like you are right, because Civil War is the movie where they're like Civil War and Doctor Strange. Yeah, the two movies that come out this year. Yeah, yeah, those came movies- out in the same year. Yeah, mm-hmm, in twenty sixteen. Those are the movies where they're like, we need to fix the third act problem. Yeah. Like, we went too far with Age of Ultron, and now we need to figure out how to make, like, intimate, personal third acts that aren't things exploding. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, the movie that saw Age of Ultron and was like, we need to top that. Yeah. We need to figure out a way to escalate even further.
1: Wait, you said Civil War came out that year? Mm Mm-hmm. They didn't fix any sort of third act problem. They just added a fourth act. Yeah. That's a terrible movie.
0: Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you. I know that's off topic. I don't know. Emma, do you have more things to say about this movie? <laughs> I have a lot more things to say about this
2: movie. Okay. This movie is amazing. Here I'm just gonna read off my some of my notes here. In the first three seconds of the movie, Icarus reference, Paul atreides reference. It is the same set as the movie ten thousand BC, which stars Camilla Bell, an incredible actress. Um, who also co-stars with a guy who played Captain America in a great movie called Push, which I encourage everybody to go watch. It is the best X-Men movie that is not in by any of the Marvel people or any of the DC people. It's really good. It's about mutant powers and it's like actually gritty and cool and like comes to a satisfying conclusion that is both exciting but personal. It also reminds me of that one Katy Perry video, apparently, the set. Oh, all these white Egyptians. Very strange. That's what the gold at the top of the pyramid is for. It's for a resurrecting apocalypse. It has a very Da Vinci Code opening sequence. Wade, you have... Maligned much, the Brian Singer opening sequence, credit sequence. What do you think about in
0: this one? Oh, so horrible. They're always so horrible. And this one feels like him trying to do the first class Matthew Vaughn thing, like trying to do the trip through time thing, but mm-hmm. filtering it through his like weird hallway DNA oh, obsession. Oh, it's so strange. And also, I'm pretty sure goes further than the time period, right? Yeah, because no?
1: it goes to the Twin Towers. Yeah. Oh, does it go to yeah. the Twin yeah, Towers? Yeah,
0: it covers like all of human history see. way past. Oh, that's weird. The actual time
1: period
2: okay mostly when i write things down it has to be said there are things that i don't like about the movie so this is the bell after disruption trope there's a scene where a cyclops disrupts a class um the teacher Uh-oh. is pissed at him for disrupting class three seconds afterwards the bell rings for the end of class i'm just here to say that that's just dumb like the teacher oh, whatever like it's just lazy whatever I love the MC in the cage match scene. And the cage match also calls back to X1, the original X-Men, oh. where we have Wolverine fighting in a cage match. At the very beginning, that's where Rogue meets him. I have some something here which, I've, of course, will later be refuted. But early on when we see both Beast and Mystique, we do not see them in blue makeup for a very long time. This is probably because they hated being put in it. I wonder why they couldn't have, like, CGI'd that. This movie is not a movie that seems afraid of cgi so why couldn't you have just CGI'd that stuff? Those are iconic parts of those characters.
1: Yeah, but there's a big reason why both of them are in essentially whiteface, right? Mm. Like, why they're in their people costumes. There's a huge backstory there for both of them. I feel like it's the, like, hiding in plain sight. Like, why would Hank go through all of that trouble to find, like, a formula that would make mm. him look normal mm-hmm. if he wasn't going to use it all the time? And then Mystique's very vocal about why she doesn't want to look like a mutant you know that's true i feel like yes you could just write that off as being the actors don't want to dress up like that mm-hmm. but i do think that that is more written in and in previous movies as well
2: okay we've got uh old Moran Mctaggart as indiana jones in a scene that is very <laughs> reminiscent of staff of the Staff of Ra scene from yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. We also have, later on in this movie, an excellent moment where uh, Apocalypse walks past a car, and the hood ornament on that car is the same as the ornaments on the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones. Okay, but this is Blaster what I'm saying. 8. Indiana
1: Jones, mm-hmm. Fifth Element, Stargate, Harry Potter, all of these ones that like we listed while we were watching it. Yeah. It's not... <laughs>
2: It's
0: not an X-Men movie. It's just all of those movies put together. With X-Men in it. With X-Men in it. Yeah. kind of there. This movie immediately feels like so different than anything we've ever seen in this universe. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that it starts off in this bright, colorful Egyptian world, and then it's like mousetrap. Like so much of that opening is based on strange, like rolling designs of the pyramid that trigger other things that trigger these elaborate traps. Yeah. Like it's so strange. It doesn't I don't know, like, where do you where do you guys feel like this movie stylistically comes from? Because Brian Singer is the biggest through line we have in this series. He's this is his fourth and final film, and it's completely different than anything we've ever seen before.
1: To me, movies like this, I think this is a good example, and I think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a good example. I feel like they've brought these directors on who have successfully done the series in the past. And they've been like, yeah, like, you, you headed this, like, do, like, we trust you. And there's nothing, like, I feel like with these, there's usually a lot of, like, executives watching over them or, like, brand marketing and, like, people that have their hands in the pot and... in. Those two movies specifically, and especially this one, it's just like, Brian Singer was like, I have all of the power. I'm the executive producer. I'm the story Mm -hmm. editor. I am the director. I am God on this movie. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to just do what I want. And literally no one cares because we know it's going to make money. And we know it's going to, like, I can make a two and a half hour movie that doesn't make sense. And people are going to pay to watch it. Yeah, And that's kind of like, I don't know if people are coming at it with like that spiteful sort of attitude, but that is what it feels like in, in movies like this, where it does feel like the creator has just written off the fact that it's going to be successful. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, that's why I think, I don't know, because stylistically, that doesn't come from anywhere. You know what I mean? It's like, it's
0: frustrating. I think you're absolutely right, because this is the movie that has the least amount of behind-the-scenes drama Mm -hmm. Like, Hmm. this is the movie with the least troubled production, Hmm. the least crazy stuff to dig up and read about it. It feels like, for some reason with this one, they were like, you go make your movie.
1: Because the company doesn't care anymore.
0: yeah. And we've, like, much maligned Fox in the past, Uh I think, for good reason. But watching this, I'm like, maybe I understand some reasons why they've come in in the past. Why they came in. If this is what they wanted to do all this time.
1: That's crazy. I
2: mean, the the thing to really wonder about is, like, if this is what Brian Singer's unadulterated vision was, what would the other four movies, three movies, that he directed, what would those have looked like?
1: I think you would have gotten X-Men and it would have been done.
2: Oh, that's fair. You know, like you yeah. wouldn't have
1: had a you wouldn't have had a franchise after that. Yeah,
2: people would have been like, Wow, that was weird. Cool, never gonna do that again.
1: But yeah. I also don't think that Brian Singer at that point, sixteen years prior to this movie, would have made that decision.
0: Fair. Yeah, I also think his aesthetic is like firm on those early movies. It's like that leather and steel yeah dominatrix aesthetic. This feels like he's trying to make something poppier. He's trying to react to other things in the market. Mm -hmm. He's trying to like extend an olive branch towards being familiar with the comics, Mm. but also he's not willing to go all the way. Like they still like the costumes are still so muted Mm -hmm. and like uh, militaristic, but he's like trying to be more comicsy and fun.
1: It does feel very forced.
0: Also on days of future past, like, he really goes all in on the 70s thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he makes it look like a 70s movie. He takes a ton of 70s inspiration. The same with uh, First Class, which is Matthew Bond, like, shooting it like a Bond film. And this, like, where are the 80s influences in this? And, like, the touches of the 80s. Return of the Jedi, baby. <laughs> oh, man. This makes me so mad. I'm sorry. I feel like I've been talking a lot, but I just, just like the arrogance. Like, it's the same thing as them. Starting The Force Awakens by saying this will begin to make things right. Mm -hmm. Like the arrogance of making the third movie in a trilogy and putting in the joke like the third one's always the worst at the expense of the last third movie. Do you think it's at the expense of the last third movie or do you think they're self-aware?
1: I thought that was more of a self aware thing.
0: I don't know. I think it's at the expense. I think it's at the expense of Last Stand. Since that's the one Brian Singer didn't do and Ob- the first one Simon Kinberg did. Objectively, last stand is worse than this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So Absolutely. Last stand I is mean, worse like, than any movie. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like it's a worthy shot. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think a worthy I don't know. I don't <laughs> no. wait so it in, makes me so angry.
1: Would you say this is the second worst movie? Oh, last stand was bad.
0: No. No, I wouldn't say this, this is anywhere is this near even... the second worst movie. No.
1: I would like to hear a ranking if you have one.
2: We're going to get into that in our final We're saving episode until <laughs> we've watched them all. This is middle run for me. Oh. Okay. Continuing with thoughts about this movie. I want to say that it is always two different movies. Whenever we have Magneto doing something that is not like directly related with the X-Men, it's always like two completely different movies with Fastbender and whatever everyone else is doing. That's
1: because Fastbender always needs his own movie.
2: He always needs his own movie and it needs to be sad, it needs mm. to be dark, he needs to have loss. He's got a brooding He's face. got it, like he was like really in that one Meisner class where they're like,
0: "Yeah, but I think you should prep for loss." And that's like all he took from it. It feels like they just ask him to do like an unconquerable task in this movie. Like he's like just playing unthinkable loss. For so much of it, and they're not giving him anything.
1: Well, it's unthinkable loss, and then it's revenge, and then it's one hundred percent switchback, and then it's comedy at the end with yeah. Charles.
0: It's yeah, like, yeah. How with, do we with zero motivation? With okay, zero
1: motivation. Yeah.
0: yeah, let's try and go like plotline by plotline. Like, how do we feel about the Eric stuff in this movie? I mean, want, how do makes, we feel about them fridging the mom and daughter, and then him? Leveling up and going back to Auschwitz. It makes me want to die. It it's all terrible.
1: <laughs> it feels like that could have been Logan. And I think someone maybe saw that in that movie and then made Logan. Mm. It works, but only as like a plot piece. Like it doesn't work as a story line, you know, but it works to move the plot forward. Hmm. So I don't love it. Also,
2: I had forgotten. We've talked about this before. Wade. but I had forgotten that this happened in this movie. I had like remembered it as happening in some other movie. And because like this was the only oh, part. This of this part? Sh- Yeah, uh-huh. the part about Eric it was the only part of this movie that I remembered. But I remembered it as being in first class. Mm. And so when we'd watch first class, I was like, "Where's the part where his wife and daughter get killed?" I I agree with you the part of the part of like they, at this point have officially overplayed the point about Auschwitz. I've, I think like, or overplayed, like it's certainly using it in like that sort of a way. Mm -hmm. It is whether or not you think the uh, opening sequence of both the first X-Men and X-Men first class are gauche or whatever. uh, I think this certainly is.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think that going back to Auschwitz is like completely distasteful and should not have been included in this movie. The image of shooting the arrow through the wife and daughter is like the thing from this movie that was like burned in my brain. Like that's the thing that I still remember about this movie four years later. It also feels, not to be glib about that, but it feels like they set him up for such a clear arc and then he Mm -hmm. loses a child at the beginning and then he has another child who's trying to find him. Like, it seems, like, so clear, like, loses a child, gains a child at the end. Mm -hmm. But then they just hold off on that.
1: Yeah, that really bothered me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, no. Like, you're not looking for your father for, what, it's been eight years? Seven years? Ten years. They really don't
2: age. (laughs) They really don't age.
1: No, but, like, you spend ten years looking for your dad. And you finally find him. And the one thing you wanted to do was find him and tell him and, like, do that thing. And you get there and it's, like mystique's all like you have more family than you know and then she looks at him and he's like i'm here for my family too and it's like you could literally bring him down like i feel like that would have like the arc that you're saying they set him up for like that that they set him up for as soon as you bring that in of like the admission of hey i also am your child like you could make that such a dynamic like character story Mm -hmm. and then you finish the fight oh my god I can't forgive that. Maybe it is a flop.
2: <laughs> so many of these movies have tricked me into thinking they were
0: bops. And then as we start to discuss them, I'm like, wait a second. I have to be honest. This was a movie I liked that as we've talked about it, I'm being convinced that I hate it. Wow. <laughs> but it really, I really was like, this movie is fine. There are things I like in it. Okay. Let's switch. Okay. Let, now let's talk about um, the adult X-Men plot line. Let's switch to that. The mm-hmm. sort of Hank uh professor x alex moira Trump. okay havoc alex plotline. how do we feel about that one in this movie
1: that was like the weird tone plot line right that was like yeah, the it's rom-com a lot lighter. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it i don't know i didn't for like me it. it
2: seems strange that the adult plot line is the light one and the mm. kid plot line is like the darker like more serious one
1: Hmm. It makes sense for the X Men, that the get, kids yeah. would be dark, but yeah. not that the adults the, would but be. but not that the yeah. adults would
2: be like having a fun time. Also, Alex, straight up, he was in the 1962 one as a maybe 16 year old. Like, I can, I can allow yeah, that's the he was youngest we can. Imagine. 16 is the youngest we can imagine him being uh-huh. in 1962. That would make him in this movie 37. Did he look 37 to either of y'all in this movie? No, no, no. He looks what would you say his max age was in this movie
1: 27
0: 32 20. Okay 32 I could see I they've so I know that most of them are supposed to be 40-year-olds in this movie it felt a little more like 30-ish to me mm. I did feel like Hank was playing a 45-year-old but he still looks
1: 12 The only yeah. reason I forgive that like when I'm not thinking about it is because they're mutants and i just assume that they don't age the same way Mm.
0: i will say the thing that does bother me a little bit about the current timeline that we're actually in Uh is that we have seen almost every character lives until 2023 Mm -hmm. so it's like obviously we don't see mystique or magneto or quicksilver or havoc Mm -hmm. and havoc dies in this movie so we don't know the fate of those characters but like everyone else it's like Hard to feel much danger for them when we know mm. that they're gonna make it until that point.
2: I forgot. I will say though that that's true, but I forgot about that while I was watching this movie. I was wor- genuinely worried about everybody who like looked like they were in danger in this movie. Like that was kind of that was not something that was front of my mind while I was watching this. Mm. Also, can we talk a second about Havoc dying? And like, yeah, I remember that. Like, that's one of the, the two things I remember are Magneto's kid dying. And Havoc dying. Those are the two things I remember from the original 2016 viewing of this film. Mm -hmm. I remember that moment when Havoc dies being a way bigger moment. I feel like it's completely glossed over Mm -hmm. in this. Like, on the rewatch, I feel like it is not,
0: like, dealt with in a real way. You know, I kind of do, too. Yeah? I think this is maybe, like, a Mandela effect thing. But I remember there being a scene where Quicksilver is like, oh, he was already in the blast. Like, oh, I didn't get him. Like, where Quicksilver yeah. has, like, this big memory and breakdown when he realizes what happened. Yeah. Um. But I did forget about all of the Cyclops stuff. Hmm. And I think the Cyclops stuff is interesting in how he handles the death of his brother. Yeah. And I think that scene on whatever sort of vehicle it is, is, like, mildly affecting. Where she's like, he believed in you. Like, mm-hmm. he thought you were going to be the one to make it.
1: mm No? I personally hate mm-hmm. when a mind reader can only know everyone's thoughts in a choosy way.
2: Cause it's like. In a way that progresses the plot. Yes. Yeah. In a way that gives Truly, catharsis. Yeah. It,
1: well, yeah, yeah. Cause it's like, oh, your brother loved you and I know because I know how everyone feels. And it's like, cool, but like, then why can't you know everyone's thoughts and feelings all the time? And like, if you really did and could, even if you could control that, it would be more prevalent in the way that you spoke to people. And like, I don't know, like that to me was less of a like, I'm here for you and your brother loved you and more of a like it was trying to be sympathetic instead of trying to actually be moving. You know what mm. I mean? I yeah, don't know. That's, absolutely. it bothers me. And that moment specifically bothered me too because I think it does take away from the mourning. You yeah. know, instead of just being like, "Oh, like yeah, like be sad and mourn and like I'm going to be here like a normal person. It's like your brother loved you."
0: I do think this movie is kind of like oops, all tropes. Yeah. And it like <laughs> gets by with it a little bit better than some other movies because there's
1: so much going on. It just makes me think of like, oops, all marshmallows in yeah. like a Lucky Charms box.
0: But the scenes are all like 30 seconds so yeah. it's like a little bit easier to stomach than when you're just like only, when they're five minute scenes yeah. and you have to bear through them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to say briefly that I I do like the beginning, like the first two um, hours. <laughs> 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 the first two Charles Moira scenes. <laughs> I think that stuff is kind of fun. Yeah. And I think that Charles is like peak daddy in this. Like I think he is oh, the hottest he's been in any of mm, them. Yeah. And I think that stuff is fun. To watch, which I wouldn't say about anything else in this series. Damn. (laughs) You
1: hate the X-Men.
2: He hates the X-Men, but he gets pissed when I rib on the MCU.
0: Whatever. Emmett admitted four movies into this 13 movie journey he made me go on that the MCU is much better than the X-Men. Yeah, but the X-Men is
1: much more niche and fun to listen to people beef about. Yeah. Than like everyone talking about MCU all the time. Nightcrawler is by far. I want that. I wanted that. Like as soon as uh, Mystique's in there trying to save him, it's like, where are they going? Can I come? Like, no, don't go to Charles. Like, <laughs> it's like keep keep yeah, doing that. Like, let's like,
2: do the Blue People movie. Let's just do the movie that's just about the two of them.
0: In the comics, uh-huh. Nightcrawler is Mystique's son. Yes, right. Yes, and the time would work out for him to have been Mystique's son. With Azrael, the red mm-hmm. the red demon who looks like Nightcrawler and has the Nightcrawler powers that we is see his in name first is class. hmm mm-hmm. That's weird. They also call him like the devil before he comes out yeah, Nightcrawler yeah. in this movie. And Nightcrawler is like with Mystique. Yes. Like she's the one who rounds him up. There also is this thread of like lost children. Yeah with Quicksilver and Magneto. They don't want to address that. So it feels like there's something there, but they like don't fully dive into it.
1: Oh, you mean like Quicksilver and Magneto?
2: <laughs> you mean they you mean that Brian Singer doesn't want to get into that relationship? Does Brian Singer
1: know his dad? Do we know? Do we know what the relationship is? Cuz I'd be very interested. I don't know. And like not in like a sarcastic way, like in an actual yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: Something that I would say about that kind of is that when the movie uh starring Jake Gyllenhaal, one of my favorite actors, called Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler came out. I swear to god I <laughs> thought it was going to be It took me 20 minutes into that movie. <laughs> Did before... it really? No, seriously. Oh my god. Before I was like, "Oh wait, this is not a Nightcrawler origin story." Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was like, "Okay, this is going to be so dope." And I went, all, "All fairness, I love that movie. I think that movie is incredible." Uh it stands on its own merits and is probably better than any X-Men movie ever will or ever could be. 20, it took me 20 minutes.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a you problem. In it. <laughs> God um, bless you. you okay, sweet I'm um,
0: moving through the plot lines. You've got like the teenage plot line with Cyclops and then he meets Jean Grey. He meets Nightcrawler as we talked about and they all like have a little school run in and then they end up triggering Wolverine. And, so cool, and they like gain their own powers in the end. How do we feel about that?
1: I both like and dislike this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the. I love Scott's story. I feel like even in like OG X Men, I really loved Scott's like through line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, in this one, he also it's like he's kind of nerdy and like weird, and then he's like gets to like the like the school for whatever. And he's kind of a douchebag now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he keeps going and now he's kind of a badass. And he's like mourning his brother. And so like I feel like there's pieces of that that I really like. And then obviously like Jean's a badass. Uh, the most memorable part of this movie for me from seeing it in 2016 is when she comes out at the end. Yeah, I and love she's that just stuff. like, I'm here. And I love that. Um, and obviously Nightcrawler. But then the the thing that ruins that whole like kind of satisfying plot for me is when Jean is talking to logan and she's like touching his face and it's a great moment and it feels very powerful and cool and then they cut to Cyclops. <laughs> and it's like, no. Like, no. We don't know any of this yet. There's yeah, no relationships yeah. here yet. He's not yeah, jealous he's of her. Not, like, yeah, you yeah, can't cut away to him. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you cut away to him, and then you cut away to Nightcrawler, and then you cut back, okay, they're watching them. Yeah. But like, you're just gonna keep cutting. to g- Like, that, like, for me, I was like, I really liked this plot line. Like, I really liked <laughs> this. And then that happened, and it's like, wh- like why? Why? Did you ruin a good thing?
0: <laughs> yeah, I laughed at that too. Like they're trying to say that like it's always been there, like the yeah, yes. love triangle has always been there, even they though they're all, all meeting
1: met right then.
0: It's, <laughs> it's like, so crazy. God. And Wolverine is, I mean, like forty whatever, years older. Whatever, than I know Jesus, he's always one hundred and fifty years older, but yeah. he is like in this like if i can pull for over, angel
1: yeah. and buffy i can pull for logan and Jean. you know i don't feel if you can pull for that. For bella and robert pattinson nobody pulls can... for bella and robert pattinson anyway <laughs> yes ruined that plot line <laughs> um
0: okay i guess the other major plot line is the apocalypse plot line <laughs> who damn um, it my, okay my favorite working actor, yes. Mm-hmm. My favorite actor, Oscar Isaac. Uh-huh. I think there are moments where he almost shines through. Uh-huh. But it's so bad. I mean, like this is the uh, this is the thing. This is what I said. Like you don't paint over Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. You have one of the most beautiful men ever to live, arguably
1: the most beautiful man. And
0: they make lives. him look like a Roblox. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like the hamburglar. <laughs> I mean, this is the one blue person I'm not attracted to. It's also. You like I mean,
1: Crawley like that? You like Hank like that? All right. <laughs> I mean,
0: like the other people <laughs> right. in this franchise, it is done practically. Yeah. Like, it's not like that's a change from the others, but it is. He's just like caked in layers and layers and layers of. He also is the only one who gets an upgrade. Well,. <laughs> just,
1: I have beef about the upgrades, yeah. but continue. I just, just want to
0: say that he absolutely looks much worse after the upgrade. Oh yeah, <laughs> like he gets this strange like svelte V figure and this kind of like tutu esque.
1: Well, and the the Mister Freeze or whatever from Batman oh, yeah. he tubes this... going into his head. The weird oh, tubes, yeah. like uh-huh. I hate that. Yeah. It did look, there were a lot of like weird Cronenberg, like Mm. nails in things. Oh yeah. Mm. Like when he pulls the, that's like right out of Videodrome with the gun. Yeah. It's like,
0: yeah, come on, lots of body horror. And, And so his plot line is like going around and recruiting his four horsemen and then like upgrading each of them to be more powerful. How do we feel about this?
1: Big beef. Yeah. I got big beef. Yeah. The angel gets cool and badass and some cool armor and does look very, like, apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Storm, badass upgrade, white hair, very apocalyptic. Yeah. But then Psylocke, not only does she get a skimpy outfit, which is fine if that's what you want, but, like, why is she the only one down-dressed, but she also gets no upgrade in her talents oh that's fair she doesn't she doesn't level up she doesn't change at all she like everything about her is the same except for going from the full body leather or whatever into the leotard with straps there is no character development no superhero development no nothing with that character at all and it's like not only yeah. did you put a great actress into that role and then give her no lines and no like badass anything, you then completely forgot about that character. Yeah. So I I don't really get it's like, oh, she's got a whip now. <laughs> like that is not like I don't know. That was really disappointing because I think that the other the other two those two get such cool upgrades and changes and Like, I want more of those characters. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's just like, what what are you doing?
0: No, I absolutely agree with you. I looked this up. So, so, played by Olivia Munn, they gave her a costume that looked like the other costumes. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, no, I don't want that. I want it to look just like the comics. Like, I want it to look sexy and revealing and purple and bright. And so, at least that was coming from her. But I think, like, someone should have told her no.
1: Yes, thank you. Okay, your <laughs> Because when job. you look
0: at them all, it looks so bad. Like, it if you saw just down. her, yeah, but like, then when oh, you see cool. the five of them, she looks like she's in yes, another movie. She's in yeah. a different
1: movie. Yeah. Yes, and that's your job as the director. You yeah. have, sure, you have a lot of jobs, but the most important job is is to make sure everything is coherent and everything is right and that if a costume person is coming to you and saying Olivia won't put her costume on because she wants to look like the comic you go no like you walk up to her and you're like this is why you can't dress different than every other character in the movie and because it doesn't make sense and like I get it like she looks hot as hell but you can't just you can't do that you can't do that also
2: her betrayal of apocalypse is completely unmotivated
1: it's not her it's it's mystique
2: you're right just kidding i'm sorry i I, she may or
1: may not be dead on the ground like i
2: said can't remember anything about this
0: movie other than that it kicked ass (laughs) see when you said that i was truly not surprised that i had no memory of that (laughs) but i was just like oh that happened as well (laughs) uh yeah yeah it makes it
2: makes a really big impression also Mm. that's just another thing about like mystique how does she inherit people's powers When she Mm -hmm. changes, like, that's not a real thing. Lots of questions about about Mystique. Oh,
0: also...
1: Well, she's mysterious.
0: That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Can we dive into the continuity corner? I know we've already covered most of the things we have to. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. The thing I want to talk about in the continuity corner is that at the end of Days of Future Past, which is 10 years ago, right? 73? 73. We see that Mystique has taken over being William Stryker. And and taken Wolverine in tow. Yes. And I thought
2: at the end of that 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 Stryker was that meant Stryker was dead in this time or line, like tied up or in like, a closet somewhere yeah, at
0: least yeah exactly okay so speak on it that's it that's so, it so okay so when we see them in this movie Stryker is himself completely separate from Mystique mm-hmm. with his alkali well, lake isn't
1: that why they're confused
0: establishment
1: when he shows up and they're like I mean it's not explained but they are at least confused him and
0: mystique know each other for sure yeah he hates mystique
1: and wolverine is still at the compound but not for long
0: yeah so that was just like what happened during that period is a big question mark for me yeah it's big anything else in the continuity corner we need to talk about i don't even know Okay, we'll think of it as it comes. Like,
2: other than just, like, I can't stress enough the fact that these people do not age enough between the movies that are supposed to happen (laughs) 10 years apart. Like, I know that's, like, minor in terms of, like, writing continuity that the actors don't age or whatever, but they don't do anything about it.
1: It's very odd to me that you get hung up on that. I don't blame you for getting hung up on that, but, like, in my mind, that's just not even an issue. Okay.
2: Cool. I will I try know. and take that energy with me into, the, into the final movie of the decade. Where they look all the
1: same. <laughs> where
2: it's 10 years later and they look a year older in the 90s.
0: Yeah. The older characters in this did feel older to me. Like well, they, didn't they didn't necessarily feel like they were in their 40s. Sure. But they felt much older than the last two. Like there was a certain aimlessness to their stuff. Mm-hmm. Where it's just sort of like we figured out like our life's big problems. We don't have like so much angst. We're
1: not blue anymore
0: yeah and like now the big question is just like like are we going to kiss or like sort of what happens day to day you know right right like like that's the stuff they're worried about okay i was i was going to say about the wolverine stuff that it's uh a reshoot that's one of the only big production things is that that wasn't in the movie at all and very close to the movie coming out damn like a couple of months before they got cold feet about not having a Wolverine in this movie. Mm. and so they went back and added that whole sequence. think that it wasn't that they Stryker was in this movie at all. I think they added all of that stuff,
1: really? Yeah. Wow.
0: and they said that it was like because they wanted to see like the Wolverine, like the animalistic, pure violence Wolverine that he had like never gotten a chance to play. It was a badass fight it was a badass fight sequence. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He looks a little weird, but I know that's how he looks in the comics. Yeah. I think it's them trying to do their, like, Rogue One, mm-hmm. Darth Vader, like, oh, here's the moment yeah. you've all been waiting for for the fans, sort of thing.
1: Although that wouldn't cut the runtime down to, like, what, 150? Yeah, it would have cut, cut it down cut by, by a lot. Like, at least a half yeah. an hour.
2: Which might have made it into a pure bop, in your eyes, at least.
1: No, because I really like that fight. Oh, that, that fight was pretty great. That's a really good sequence. Yeah, it like, is. Like, cool. that's probably the, like, other than, like, the gene coming out at the end, I think that's the strongest sequence of the movie. Yeah. Because you get to see Nightcrawler be a badass and you get to see Logan Mm. be a badass and they kind of all like work together as a team. I don't know. It seemed cool.
2: Can I take a moment to talk about the cultural context, please, of 1983? So because this movie came out in 2016, um, which is the same year that Deadpool came out, we're not doing our classic list of other movies that came out. So Mm. I went a little bit deeper on the 1983 research and i am not going to talk about everything that happened in 1983 but i am going to Thank talk you. about important things that i feel like kind of tie into this series that happened in 1983 okay? either tie into the series or tie into pop culture in a big way um so the biggest thing for this movie is the soviet nuclear false alarm hmm. which guys it's amazing we are all still here it's like pretty spectacular that the world still exists. After the 1980s and the cold war, there were too many false alarms where the entire nuclear load was almost shot, but there is a nuclear, a Soviet nuclear false alarm where a Soviet like agent of some sort named uh, Stanislav Petrov averts world war III and total like annihilation of the entire world by nuclear weapons. Because he correctly identified warning signs of US attack as a false alarm in the Soviet system. One person. And so this is like kind of something that is briefly made reference to in the movie that there's like all these people that Apocalypse takes over by way of Charles to like shoot all the nuclear missiles, which I totally thought when it happened at the halfway point in the movie. That that was what the movie was gonna be about, that it was gonna be about like apocalypse trying to use the nuclear weapons in some way. They really didn't mm-hmm. need to do they that. They really didn't need to do that. Like there was no point in them doing that at all. They just like kind of did that to say, hey, it's nineteen eighty three. But I think that's like kind of interesting. and something that like we really don't think about a lot now, even though there's more there's more nuclear weapons in the world now, I believe, and certainly more nuclear armed countries than there were at that time so just like something to think about nuclear disarmament is probably a pretty good idea so i'm with apocalypse on that like not all bad there's nuanced views there's two things can be true at once he can be evil and he can be for nuclear disarmament at the same time but that's not why that. he was for it well that's no it's not it's not but
0: hashtag we, can, we stand with apocalypse yeah. we stand with actually apocalypse. can someone explain to me what apocalypse plan is I don't... I'm not, this isn't a setup. I would really okay. like to know. Okay. I,
2: okay. Briefly to digress from this. I Thank do you. think that his plan is to disarm all humans. Mm-hmm. Take Charles's body.
0: Right.
1: So that he can control everyone. So that he everyone. can control
2: everyone. Okay. So that he can... Oh, and so at some point, a U.S. general says he's going to eradicate anything built since the Bronze Age. So he's going to, like, send he all meant of He
1: meant that if they had... If they had gotten the bombs going.
2: No, I think he meant that he's going to like erase all of human history up to the point before he was I think.
0: This mm-hmm. is, I knew, I, is that what we're seeing? Yeah. In they, the end is like cities going like, back
1: through
2: cities. time. Ci- no, not going back through time exactly. He's just ripping them apart. He's okay. trying to bring everybody back to the point they were right before he was So betrayed. he can be in control. Again. So he can be in control, so he can be God of Earth.
1: And he probably wants Charles's power so that he can know if someone's going to betray him. So he can him. know
2: if someone's going to betray him, so he can control all minds at once. Mm-hmm. He says Charles's ability allows him to be everywhere at once, which is technically true. Because if you can send your mind into any body or all bodies at once, you can be anywhere at once. I think that's okay. his plan. It's a, little, it's a little vague. He just wants ultimate power
0: mm-hmm.
2: over everything. Uh, and like who doesn't, really? You know? I uh,
1: yeah. I, mean, I feel like it'd be too much work.
0: It also sounds like he wants to be like the only sentient person, which like what's the fun of that? Yeah,
2: what is the fun of that? But yeah, I would say that ultimately is what's going on. Okay. Yeah, I mean like I'm not saying that's good. I'm not not saying anything about it. I genuinely didn't know. I do think that's what's what's going on. So back to nineteen eighty three. Um nineteen eighty three, just like a quick note for everybody. Did you know that there are different calendars other than the calendar that we live by? I guess it's pretty obvious to think of. Like, we live in the year 2020, Mm -hmm. um, and in our calendar, that would be, like, the year that this movie takes place in is 1983 in the Gregorian calendar. But in the Chinese calendar, uh, that would, for instance, be either the year 4,679 or the year 4,619. And in the year of Our Lady Discordia, that would be 3,149. Um, those are two relevant calendars that I think we should, should think about. Okay, other things that happened in the year uh, 3,149 in the year of Our Lady Discordia uh, would be a Nazi war criminal Klaus Barbie was arrested in Bolivia for uh, war crimes during you know, the Nazi reign of terror in Germany. Uh, Fraggle Rock aired for the first time.
0: Right, I have got a fan over here. Wish we could have seen it. There are Can actually th- I would love to. There are actually a handful of cultural references in here, but they're not really from the '80s. But they watch like, you know, they watch the old Star Trek, mm-hmm. and they watch the old I Love Lucy. Like, there's a lot of like weird old timey references. I love Lucy. Huh. That's isn't that what um, Apocalypse is watching? No, oh, no, I no, I no it's just some so. old classic it's just movie. Old classic, mm. like
1: she's redheaded though.
2: Mm. Um we got the well. the final episode of MASH airs in 1983 which reaches 125 million viewers and remains unsurpassed in television history. S- Swatches were first introduced in 1983 to uh, lighten the mood. Reagan introduces the Star Wars missile intercept program which also kind of ties into this movie mm-hmm. like about mm-hmm. nuclear missiles. Michael Jackson introduces the moonwalk. The Challenger space shuttle launch happened mm-hmm. in 1983. The U.S. Embassy bombing in Beirut kills 63 in 1983. Channel broadcasting was founded by Disney. Sally Ride becomes the first American woman uh, in space. And Metallica released *Kill 'Em All* in can. this year. Six frogmen walk across the Sydney Harbour underneath the sydney harbor i should say underwater they walk across sydney harbor 51 and a half miles in 48 hours
1: can you elaborate what a frog man is? i was also
2: wondering they i mean people underwater with tanks of air walked across the bottom of sydney harbor 51 oh. and a half miles in 48 hours oh I don't know. I thought that was awesome.
1: I mean, it's weird.
2: It's weird and awesome. I was
1: picturing a whole different timeline.
2: (laughs) Huey Lewis in the (laughs) News released the album Sports. Uh, Old Ronald Reagan announces GPS for civilians. The first African-American Miss America is of Vanessa L. Williams in 1983. Kiss appears publicly without makeup for the first time. Uh, Really some mutants uh, right there. Uh, Don't have a good joke about that. The Maze Prison Escape... 38 IRA prisoners escape in the largest uh, prison escape in British history. The first Hooters opens in Clearwater, Florida.
1: Of course it did.
2: AT&T is founded. The U.S. invades Grenada. Chrysler introduces the first minivan. A Christmas Story, the movie, is released. Huh. Thriller okay. airs on MTV for the first time. Dare is launched. Uh. McDonald's introduces the McNugget. And in a tragic move. DeLorean's cease production. Rip to a real one.
1: None of this has anything to do with the movie at all. No, it doesn't. But those
2: are just some interesting things that happened in 1983 that maybe this movie, if it was better, could have made reference to. Mm.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Let's briefly run through some of our segments here. This movie does pass the Bechdel test in the scene with Gene and Mystique talking... About how much they, she looks up to Mystique oh. and sort of their take on mutant rights. There is also like an interesting through line of like the younger generation looking up to Mystique because hmm. we get that with Storm 2 and they're teaching about her in classrooms and stuff. I think this movie, like, this is the most progressive we've ever seen in terms of acceptance of mutants, the X Men world depicted. Mm, mm-hmm that there there are kinds of, like, mutant civil rights public leaders Mm -hmm. who people are looking up to. Charles also, interestingly, wants to bring humans onto the place, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so anyway, I mean, not, as we've already discussed, a soaring colors movie when it comes to representing female characters, but does pass the Bechdel test. Emmett, what was the body count?
2: Oh, the body count was 54, which I believe makes it the most... The highest death count in any movie so far in the series, it definitely makes it a higher death count than than Deadpool, which immediately precedes this movie. Which I would certainly say Deadpool is a more violent movie. Like if I if like you were to just ask yeah. me which movie is more violent, Deadpool or Apocalypse, I would say Deadpool. Yeah. But this movie certainly has a higher body count. Like I, I, I like buy a good 11 people, at least.
0: There are some really grisly deaths. Like, there's a lot of beheadings. The one that really got me is when you see the chain go through his neck. Oh, oh dude, that's yeah. rough. Like, and that's so bloody. And uh, you already mentioned, we're, like, pulling the nails out of his mm, chest mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah.
1: Well, and when he just is, like, has the sand come out of the wall and beheads four dude, people. Dude, that's, uh-huh. that's so cool. That was sick. Uh-huh. <sighs> but, yeah, the locket thing, like, that, I feel like that scene regardless of the movie is something that has always really stuck out in my mind mm. of like that is like some rage, pain, and like perfect. It's perfect. Like this picture of my parents that I gave to my right. daughter and it's the only medal that I have mm. and I'm gonna kill all of you. And when they're all like when they're all falling and the one guy goes like that yeah. and then it's over. And it's just like that's so good.
0: Yeah. That's been who kills that scene. Mm-hmm. and that's i think that's pretty hard material to do and when they keep like just the one shot on him the whole time as you see him go from mm-hmm. like the sorrow to the rage is really powerful
1: yeah
2: i don't like really want to get into this but i would like do you think we should like touch on this like his wife and daughter die very quickly and like i do think there would be more that like unless they were both shot through the heart which is the way they were
1: they were i don't the little girl didn't get hit through the heart yeah Yeah. like
2: i do think like even with 1980s medicine they could probably have been saved i don't think that would kill them immediately yeah it certainly
0: wouldn't be immediate
2: like so that is like something that i think about but i get like i get it
1: but i just want to flag that
0: who do we think the protagonist of this movie is let's start there beth thoughts about the protagonist
1: Yes. Um okay. I think it is a pretty solid ensemble piece. I mm-hmm. wouldn't of the protagonists, I wouldn't pick out one of the X-Men to be like this is their movie because I do think it is very much the the X-Men as protagonist. Mm-hmm. But I also like I yeah, I mean not as protagonist, but I think that the main character would be um, Apocalypse. He's the only one consistently moving the plot forward okay and Mm -hmm. doing things and changing and you know like like traditional main character things also traditional baddie things but Mm -hmm. since i don't feel like there is a main character because i yeah it does feel like the x-men as a whole
2: i mean i don't know it feels kind of like it's scott weirdly i considered that it Mm -hmm. feels kind of like it might be scott or it might be jean yeah. But they don't get introduced until a good ways into the movie, which makes it hard.
1: Well, I mean, in Fargo, you don't meet the main character until a half an hour in.
2: Okay. And for, in Star Wars, you don't yeah. meet Luke for yeah. a good 20 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it could be Scott or it could be Jean. Jean probably undergoes a greater change at the mm-hmm. end because she gives in to her power more. So I might be willing to say that it's Jean, but I definitely agree with you that it is an ensemble movie and that like the X-Men as a concept are the like protagonists of mm-hmm. this movie. Um, and that the, the, the change that they undergo is from being not a team to being a team. Well, to, like, they being go a thing.
1: into being the X-Men. Yeah. They become yeah. the X. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, um, for sure. Wade, what do you think?
0: I don't know. I was trying to. Th- so we normally ask like who makes the biggest change, mm-hmm. like who has to make the big decision uh-huh. at the end of the movie. So I was really trying to think about who that is. I mean, Eric makes a pretty big decision mm-hmm. in siding with like his old family versus like giving into rage. Sure. I don't know what Mystique makes a decision. Yeah, it doesn't feel quite as big, but she like chooses to be herself. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it just doesn't feel as big because it comes 30 minutes earlier than the right. climax. I don't know what Charles's arc is, really, or what he has to do at the end. I mean, his arc is kind of tied into Moira, but, like...
1: He kind of feels like a backseat character. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which
1: was interesting because when it opens and he's doing the narration... I was like, oh, right. I wonder if it's going to be his story, but he really is just. Driving and it closes the car. on him too. It does close on him, but it's not. It's his not movie. at all. He, I mean, I don't think that he makes a change except for the hair loss. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, like, I know. I'm serious. Like he agree. Doesn't I agree. go through any changes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it it does open and end the same way as the original X Men movie, which we mm-hmm. should talk about. I don't necessarily know what there is to talk about, but it starts with the same narration. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time done by McAvoy, and it ends with the same exchange between Charles and Eric. Hmm. This time done by McAvoy and Fazbender, which is interesting. I think they were really looking at this as like a maybe kind of like a finale. Hmm. I don't know, but it's also like a clear setup at the end.
2: At this point, did they think that this was the end of the decades trilogy?
0: Yeah, so I have stuff on that. Okay, I actually I have very little behind the scenes stuff, as uh-huh. I mentioned, but I will dive into that. This is a quote from Singer. He said, "Mystique starts in first class, entirely on Charles' side." ends up following Eric, and we find her on her own in Days of Future Past, and she's on her own because Eric is gone. She's on her own side in that movie, but is drawn towards Charles by the end of the film and shoots Eric. Then, in Apocalypse, she comes back to Charles. That's a full-circle narrative over the span of this trilogy that is about Mystique from beginning with Charles in the mansion and ending with Charles in the mansion, but not as the same timid little girl we met in First Class. Hmm. Okay. wait, question for you.
2: Yeah. Do you think this trilogy,
0: Total uh-huh
2: is about mystique
0: i think she is maybe the most integral part because they draw they make her have strong relationships with every single other character okay as opposed to like some of these characters only have like one main defining relationship okay but i think she's given very little agency in screen time yes i would agree with that like i would not say she's the protagonist of any of these three movies this yeah. is maybe the one where she's the closest yeah
2: yeah strangely because i think of days of future past as being more her movie it does feel
0: like her movie but this one is like so i well i have a little tiny theory about this movie okay this isn't based on any actual behind the scenes thing this is just my little theory Mm -hmm. this movie has a story credit from michael doherty and dan harris who are singer's writing team Mm -hmm. who didn't have a story credit on the last one that Mm -hmm. he came back to do And we know, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that Fox has, like, Simon Kinberg in the back. Like, they hired him on, like, a 10-contract thing. They were like, you're going to plan out our whole franchise. You're going to write all the X-Men movies. You're going to write all the Fantastic Four movies. You're going to write a crossover. You're going to produce Deadpool. You're going to produce Logan. He's, like, their man. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he wrote and did the story for Days of Future Past. And this time you have Singer's crew coming up with a story, but not writing the screenplay. Mm. And we know that Fox has Kinberg on this contract to like make him do, like that he has the screenplays, like he will do it. So just my little theory here is that maybe Singer was like, I want my guys to do it. And Fox was like, you're going to use Kinberg. He's our man. Hmm. And so he had his guys like come up with the story, come up with an idea for it and the overarching plot. And then they gave it to Kinberg to like write it out. Hmm. I mean, they honestly
1: of, could have written it out and then had to hand it over and have to yeah. do rewrites. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause that happens right. a lot. Hmm.
0: Um, he also singer also pulled his classic move of leaving set for two weeks in the middle of this to go do opioids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he came back on this one, which he doesn't on his next movie, but he did. It's for different and reasons, though. <laughs> Kinberg, the writer, came in and directed mm-hmm. for two weeks. Huh.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And Kinberg goes on to direct the next movie in this series, Dark Phoenix. Oh. So what was also huh. in his directorial debut, he had never directed, presumably oh. before these two weeks that he shot wow. of this. Never directed.
1: Wow. It is baffling to me, as a side note, that they would do Dark Phoenix... Their only X-Men universe movie about a female character mm-hmm. and not follow the classic DC X-Men or DC MCU um, trope of bringing in a female director mm-hmm. that like I didn't realize that that was directed by him. And I guess that's just like very shocking to me. Yeah. That, um, I guess people don't care that much when they're watching it, but I don't know. It's just surprising as a studio move to not bring in a female director.
0: I agree. I also think um so he's just now written and directed his second movie which mm-hmm. is about to come out called The 355 which is like an all female spy movie. Hmm. So I think maybe he's going the Joss Whedon angle mm-hmm. of being like I am the male feminist. I will write all right. the movies about all the girls. So if you want like good feminist representation, hire me. <laughs> I think that's an element to that guy <laughs> having not like Never met him, never spoken. To of course, him. no
2: idea. Unlike friend of the pod, Martin Scorsese. Huy. Yeah, Marty. Constantly old. I old gotta Marty. text him back. He keeps God, saying he, he wants like, to come he's on. Part like, of his family. Talk about like, like, Man look, the wasp. I'm like, look, dude, you're you're immunocompromised. You're old. Like okay. you can't come and hang with us. <laughs> I I love you. I'd love to see you. Like get us on Zoom. Get us on. He Zoom, doesn't know how Marty. to work a computer. It was also Marty, announced
0: by singer before all of the me too and the bohemian rhapsody shut down mm-hmm. like singer said after this movie like i'm stepping away from the franchise mm-hmm. like i'll produce it i'll be around but i'm not going to come back and direct again hmm. i wonder if that was like but it feels like fox put up with his stuff like all the stuff we heard yeah they i put up with like... for four movies i doubt they told him to yeah, go fox away
2: not no he was like he was like no i've finally done it i've made the x-men movie i want to make and now i can let it go I, I truly really think that. Maybe. I'm not saying that this is a, a great movie or anything, but I do believe that this is the movie that he wanted to make.
0: I had the same thought while watching this, that this is like X-Men the movie. Yeah. Like, they've taken the things from all the other movies and thrown it in here. I don't necessarily think it's to its advantage, but... Sure.
1: Yeah, I guess it could have been three different movies. Yeah. Like, it could have been the kids, it could have been the adults, and it could have been... Um, the, the bad, bad guys.
2: or Or... Michael or Fassbender, Aranda. yeah. It could have been four different movies. It could have movies. been a bunch of different movies in yeah. different
1: compilations. It could have been a, a Mystique and Nightcrawler movie or, yeah, yeah. Michael yeah. Fassbender movie. or yeah.
0: yeah. I guess I'll say that I think Mystique is the protagonist. Okay.
1: I, I don't know what she wants. What She definitely pulls everyone to action. Yeah. Like, she goes and gets, she's going to get people out. Mm-hmm. She's going to Xavier to tell him what's going on. And, like, that prompts them to go find Fastbender and that prompts them to go, you know, like, so I could see where you're coming from with that. And then at the end, she's like, Eric, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it is kind of her all the way through. Uh-huh. So I could see that for sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. If Jean Gray's the protagonist, what she wants is to gain control of her powers. And at the end of this movie, she realizes that that's not what she wants. And what she wants is to claim all of her power.
1: I just don't see this as her movie at all. I don't yeah. see it
2: as her movie really either. But that's I
1: might my
0: be pitch. projecting right. feelings about the characters Red a blood. little bit. But I was reading kind of in the two scenes where Mystique has to deliver the news that Eric had a wife and daughter Child, yeah. that got killed. Like, there's obviously a lot of sorrow that that happened, but it also feels like there's like a tinge of regret that it like wasn't her. Mm. You know, that he had his whole life not yeah. involving her. Yeah, mm. uh, Beth. Who was your Favorite character in this movie, other than Wolverine, your MVP, OTW?
1: Nightcrawler. Oh, cool. 100%. Cool. Yeah, I love watching him. I loved him in the other ones, too, like the small amount of screen time he gets. Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool when he fights and it's like pop, 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 pop. And it's just like, and he doesn't want to fight necessarily, but he's so good at it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I want more of that. I love that character so much
0: he's really good he's got a cool hairstyle
1: got a cool hairstyle got cool face markings Uh cool power cool backstory probably yeah that i would like to find out more about
0: praying a lot in this movie Praying a lot yeah focus on a little bit
1: there's some sort of depth there that isn't explored anywhere in in any of these movies Mm -hmm. and i don't know there's something about that character that i just love so yeah He'll be he's, my favorite in all of them.
0: <laughs> he's got the good funny joke at the end, too. He gets the last laugh in the movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's a good... Also, yeah, I don't know. I always remembered that, it, it, specifically in this movie, that in my head, he's he's got an Indian accent, mm. and then he's German, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> Which is, like, not a big deal, obviously, yeah. but it just was different
0: in my head emmett mvp ltw
2: well it was gonna be nightcrawler so i have to do some quick thinking <laughs> here i think it's gonna be quicksilver again mm-hmm. if it's not nightcrawler he's pretty cool in this he's I, his sequence in this is like like i don't know it's hard to say because like his sequence in first class is no in days of future past is so good so good mm-hmm. but if i hadn't ever seen that this might be, like, as good of a sequence. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're just judging the two on, like, on their own merits. Mm -hmm. But I've seen that, like... So, I don't know. I think he's really good in this. I think I agree that, like, it's mishandled at the end. But I don't think that's, like... Obviously, that's not his fault. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it does seem consistent with his character Mm -hmm. to, like, want to do the thing but not do the thing. And he, like, does have that thing where he's, like... He says what, like, for somebody who, like, moves so fast, like, I'm always late. Which I do think is the thing that both Wade and I were remembering as being a much bigger breakdown Mm. over losing Havoc. But I think that has to do with how well the actor delivers that line. And, like, you read all of that, like, all of the pain and all of the shame for not getting the one guy after he does the impossible that no one else could have have Mm -hmm. done and saves all those kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's him. If it it can't be Nightcrawler, yeah.
0: I love that he does get to fight the bad guy. Yes, because yeah, they and took him out of the first one. He's so
2: cool. One. His fight is so cool, and he's the one who's like seems to be doing the most. Yeah. like against mm-hmm. Apocalypse of anyone we've seen yet
0: fight him. Yeah, I also love the little scene we get with him and his mom at the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. just where she's there's clearly a lot going on with her. Like that mom has a, a full inner life. Um, <laughs> All right,
2: Wade, who is your MTV MV
1: Wade <laughs> MVPLTW? I don't know what OTW means, by the way.
0: <laughs> um, other than Wolverine. Okay. It is Sophie Turner as Jean Grey. Ooh. Mm. I think she's really good in this. I think she comes in, like, pretty confident and fully formed. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't get to see her origin as much as we see Cyclops, obviously. Like Beth was saying, I love her stuff at the end. That was the stuff that stuck in my head the most. Mm-hmm. Seeing it in theaters the first time. I love her relationship with Charles, maybe for the first time in the series. Like I love them seeing them actually have that teacher student relationship and the moment where he's like, you can do it. Like mm-hmm. let yourself go is so cool. And I love her outfits throughout, especially, uh, the like green jacket ensemble she has when she's reading outside. when she's yeah. Blowing up trees. Um, Oh, also I love the monologue when they come and see her when she has like shaken the house and she has the, like, I've seen darkness, like, I've seen the end of the world. I think she really kills that. And I think it's pretty well written. I also like Charles' version of the monologue we get later, where he does, like, the, I've never felt anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think both of those are really good.
1: She also kills the accent. I feel like mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a young actor, like, coming in and doing really good accent work.
0: Yeah, I really liked her. I'm excited to see what Dark her baby Phoenix. looks like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, which we haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, neither you nor me. Uh, and it's in some ways, it kind of feels like these last two movies didn't happen. Like, it feels like most people kind of forget that there were two more movies after Days of Future Past starring yeah. this cast that we got, like, actual further adventures. Yeah. Obviously, the box office is diminishing returns each time. Beth, any final thoughts on X-Men Apocalypse? It's a banger.
1: No, um, I don't know. Lots of beautiful people. Yeah. Yeah. Some badass fight scenes. Glad to rewatch it. Me too. Definitely happy.
2: Emmett, last thoughts? Um, there's a lot of cage imagery. I don't know what to make of that. But there's a lot of like the iron cage imagery, which fans of PKD will uh, make of that what you will. There's this crazy moment at the end where Charles like goes into a mind house to fight
1: Apocalypse. My least favorite part of oh, the movie. Right. It's, like, You're really, in
0: my house now.
2: It's like, really weird. But also fans of Christopher Paolini will recognize the Galbatorix treatment that Apocalypse gets, um, and I'll leave it at that. Other than that, I just want to say like, this is the Return of the Jedi of the X-Men movies. If you were to just like put it on at Thanksgiving at a house, everybody would be happy.
1: You just gave me the most intense deja vu I've had in years. Really? Yeah. Wow. All of that.
2: Wow. How? Why? I don't know. Days of future past, man. Yeah. Cool. Wait, any final thoughts?
0: I was also happy to rewatch this movie and I think I happily would rewatch it again. My brain was truly broken by the last 50 minutes of this movie. <laughs> like it's just like insane incomprehensible action that goes on for so long and is so grand and so expensive that it was I was I I was in awe of it. <laughs> um I want to say that I love McAvoy here Mm. and I think he looks the most daddy he Mm. ever looks Mm. in any of these movies Mm. and that's part of why I'd like to rewatch it. I think to your Return of the Jedi thing, the thing it's missing is like the Luke Skywalker like the adult's conclusion of the yeah. saga. Like yeah. this has the stuff for the kids and it has the big bomb but it's kind of missing that emotional core Sure, that I wish would wrap up this trilogy a little bit better. But as we know, it's a quadrology, so maybe that's coming next so movie. maybe it's coming in the next movie. Yeah, we They are. went back and did another one to yeah. give it like a proper ending. Maybe so. the next one will be the Rise of Skywalker of this series. Also want to say, I, I like the Cyclops stuff in this movie, but I genuinely, no joke, think it is done better in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, I think like the high sc- the Cyclops in high school yeah. discovers his powers, freaks out, goes mm-hmm. to the X mansion. Stuff is uh, handled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Other oh, than
2: that, may I just say that kid that he blasts through a bathroom wall should be dead. <laughs> I put him on my body count and then had to cross him <laughs> well, off when yeah, he gets up off the floor. He
1: hits the door and, and then, the door doesn't have a hole in but it. But then it the just...
0: ceiling has the ceiling has a hole in it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Physics. That right. kid is also so big. I know they lampshade it, but like that kid looks like the Rock.
1: The kid that's bullying him? Yeah.
0: He was like seven feet tall. Yeah. They
1: might have just been short bathroom stalls. If I'm in a bathroom stall, I can see over them with my whole head. Okay. Okay.
0: That's fair. Thank you for bringing the tall perspective (laughs) to the podcast. It's literally the only perspective I have. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for being here, Pat.
1: Yeah. Um, Is there anything
0: you would like to plug? Any projects you're working on? Anywhere the people can
1: find you online? You can find me at www.flethbetcher.com. Uh, that will link you to all of my social media and you can send me a nice little email uh-huh. um com spelled like it sounds that's so cool thanks so that's yeah that's awesome thanks
0: well we'll be back next week talking about logan wow oh, yeah james mangle the second director we've had to come back other than brian singer damn we're excited for that one yeah we are
2: Okay. Thank you so much Beth It's been a pleasure having
0: you on See you next week Stay frosted Bye Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts It is created and produced by Emma Temple And me, Wade Lawrence Holloman I also edit and mix the podcast Our theme music is by Zane Holloman Who you can find on Bandcamp And our show art is by Autumn Beckner Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.